I think one of the biggest ones that um, Debbie was speaking of earlier, um, there was a fire, um, the Danewood fire, and a lot of people, the department's so young now, they won't remember the Danewood fire. And it, um, it was um, cr a Christmas tree incident. And um, I was at Station 13 at the time, and I got transferred to Station 10, and I was riding on the truck in the jump seat. And I didn't have to go on that call, fortunately. Um, but Debbie and Susan, I'll let them tell you their version of it. Um, but it, I later became involved with the outcome of that. So, and we run into the captain in in a bedroom, and his his bell is going off, and he's like he's like I've searched this room, and so he, uh, we're like you go out because his bell was going off. I go into the second bedroom, and I'm searching, and I feel I feel the kid in the bed, and I hollered, you know, uh, I, I got him. Welcome to the Firehouse Logbook Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Dawson, and joining me today with co-hosting duties is Henry Rosenbaum. Welcome back, Henry. Thank you, Robbie. Uh, here we sit, and just one day past the Ides of March, and uh, one day ahead of St. Patrick's Day, and in the month that's been recognized as Women's History Month, and in recognition of Women's History Month, the Henrico County Division of Fire put out a short YouTube video this week about four of their retired female firefighters. And to quote from that video, the quote is, Happy Women's History Month. The Division of Fire is honoring our retired female firefighters. These courageous firefighters are the Henrico Division of Fire pioneers that tirelessly serve the citizens of Henrico with their fierce dedication, humility, and integrity. They held themselves to the highest standards, earned respects of their fellow peers, and unbeknownst to them, courageously paved the way for all to follow. And the Firehouse Logbook also recognizes Women's History Month, and Henry and I are joined by three of those pioneers that were featured in that Henrico video. Uh, please welcome Captain Debbie Weymouth. Hey, hey great to be here. Thanks. Uh, firefighter Susan Caskey. Hi, thank you for having us. And uh, Firefighter Lisa Butler. Hey, how are y'all? And uh, missing from the crew is the, uh, the inaugural female firefighter for Henrico, and she was a lieutenant, is that right? Yes, yeah, Debbie, a lieutenant. Debbie Elam, so uh, shout out to her as well. So uh, thanks, thanks, ladies, for being here, and appreciate you guys taking time to sit down for a while and chat about uh, your experience in Henrico and in the fire service. Thanks. Uh, let's start off with uh, you, Debbie. Just, uh, just kind of give us an idea of where you guys came from, how you got started in the fire service, and a little bit about your career, and then we'll dive into some some of the more detailed stuff, but uh, how did you get started? Well, I, I was at a time in my career that I wasn't really sure what I was w wanted to do. Um, I knew that I didn't want to be stuck behind a desk and doing office work, and so I, uh, coincidentally, at the same time, played a lot of co-ed softball and um, came across a gentleman by the name of Bob Whitty, um, who happened to be with Henrico at the time. 
uh, also a couple of Richmond firefighters and uh, got to talking to them and they started sharing some stories about the, the fire department and how, how fun it was to be and, and a, a wonderful job to be in. And um, at the time they mentioned that Debbie Elam had, was on the, the department, which I at that point did not even realize that women were allowed on the department. Um, I knew Debbie from years past, um, not to, to discriminate different ages, but she used to um, uh, referee my basketball games in high school. So, um, so I did know Deb from, from years before. And coincidentally, I ran into her um, and we got to talking about it and she talked about how much she loved the job. And uh, it, it, at that point I decided, you know, I, I think I want to put, put in my application see for how far it goes and uh and move forward with it and um i actually called around to the different departments um uh, besides henrico because they had just closed the deadline for the applications <coughs> and so I, I honestly didn't know what departments allowed women and what departments were volunteer versus paid so um found out that uh, there were some other departments and um, but I really wanted to stick with Henrico because that's where I was born and raised and so I waited a year put in an application and went through the process um, and and got hired in 86. And where did you go for your career did you spend the, the your whole uh, service in operations or did you go to day work or any of the you other know I, I, I spent my whole career 28 years in operations and um, when I look back on that I there was a lot. Of, there was a lot of opportunity to go to administrative positions, and I just, uh, truly, the love of the job was riding on the fire truck, and that's what I loved doing. And so, I did stay out in the field for my 28 years. And you rose to the rank of captain, so yes. you spent time as lieutenant and captain in the I station. I did. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Susan? How did you get started? Well, um, I, we were talking about that before. We were trying to figure out when we actually all first met each other, and we couldn't really pinpoint one particular thing but Lisa I found out about the job from Lisa um, you know she said you I think you would like this job she already she already had it she had just gotten it um, you know the place I grew up it was it was a volunteer based system it, it was all men the, the women uh, there were no women uh, in the fire department there was like a women's auxiliary and they made cupcakes and that sort of thing uh, so uh, I had no idea uh, and, and I had gone to school to be a teacher and I, I, that's not really what I wanted to do. And I had uh, a couple different jobs in my 20s. I started the job when I was 31. So I started a little later than, you know, had I only known, I would have tried to uh, come earlier. So, uh, and, and it, I never looked back. It, it, I, it's the best, it absolutely is the best job in the world. How about you? Did you do any uh, anything other than operations? Did you um, I did. That? I was in. Uh, I had two tours of duty in the in the training section. Matter of fact, uh, one with Henry. Uh, my first my first tour tour of duty. He was the captain. In, in tra that's right, right. When Bob Clark was the chief, yes. uh, he was he was the captain in training. Um, and it, I, I wouldn't trade any <coughs> of that. Uh, the second, uh, I spent the rest of the time in in op in, uh, in the field. My second tour in in the training section, they had three people that were that were possibly going to get promoted out of there at the, all at the same time, instructors. So the, the the captain of training at the time approached me and said, "Would you like to come back to training?" And I said, well, "Let me think about it." And so the next day, I called him and the, you know because they were going to be in a jam and they could put they could plug me right in 
and I knew, you know, I was already over that hurdle, that initial, like, being a rookie in training or, or whatever. So I went back for a second time, and when they opened this building, um, and, and then I went back out into the field after that and retired in 17. And Lisa, how did, how did you get involved? Um, I had originally gone to school to be uh, a teacher as well, and um, my sister was a communications officer here with the county, um, and I had gotten my EMT while I was in college, and she said, well, you know all the firefighters are paid EMTs, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do, you know, I, I, I wanted... I thought I wanted to teach, and then I'm like, I don't know about being inside all the time and being, you know, the summer's off, that'd be great. And then she's like, well, you know, all the firefighters are paid EMTs. Why don't you look into the fire department? They're hiring. So I had applied, and I didn't get it the first time around or the second time around. And then it was kind of that bit where uh, you're not good enough to be here. And then it was kind of a challenge. Well, I'm going to be here. Don't, don't so tell me I can't do something. It's gonna, it took me a few tries, but then I finally got in the department, and then I spent my um, my rookie school was one of the first that had two females in it at the same time. We had a group of 18, and at the time, Debbie Sue and Debbie Weymouth were on, and when Susan White and I graduated from rookie school, there was one Debbie on A shift, one Debbie on C shift, and they put me on B shift, and they put Susan White on A shift, and then that way we were in all different parts of the county on different shifts, and you never saw another woman. Did so they, do you know why they did that, or was there some kind of a theory? Or I don't know why they did it. Uh, you know, I don't. Well, the department was really old then. <coughs> the, the people were really. Yeah. yeah experience wise okay. so you know the department I think started running EMS in 88 yes and I got hired in 90 and so the workforce increase with the with EMS need more people and I just don't think that they were ready you know Debbie and Susan both are a lot bigger than I am. And I was always looked at, you know, when I got hired, I weighed 110 pounds. And I was five foot four. So when I put all my gear on, you know, guys would look at me like, how in the hell is she going to get me out of the building if something happens to me? So it was always, you know, you always uh, a challenge. So... I don't know if they were ready for two women to be on the same incident or a chance to be on the same incident, whether they could do the job. So it wasn't necessarily a, a facilities thing. I mean, I, I remember the first female Chesterfield hired, and she went to the, the newest station we had at the time because it <coughs> had male facilities and female facilities in the locker room. No. That wasn't necessarily that I don't think it was that well thought out. I yeah. don't think it was – yeah. No, our stations were old, and yeah. I think that it was a push for that. You know, we need to hire some women, and we better hurry up because, you know, we're we're gonna people are gonna start asking us why we don't have any. I think that's personally, and she, and she held her own. She's like a pit bull, and mm -hmm. I've seen her put many a large men down. 
just by a few words. I'm not going to share this with As Henry shakes his head. So that, uh, well, that bring, come, kind of brings up the first kind of, where else did you serve? Did you serve just in operations? Or did you just in operations. I, I stayed in the field, and I wanted to be in the field. And, you know, um, I, I actually went to school high school with Debbie, and um, I, I saw the path that she took, the officer's path, and um, I, I attempted to go that way a couple times, and then I was like, you know, I really enjoy driving the fire truck you know I, I want to drive the fire truck I don't I don't want to ride in that seat over there unless I have <laughs> to you know there's something about you know the just driving it that's so I spent my whole time in the field um, I spent time in the eastern then they shoved me to the western and then I went to the north side so just in the, just the field yeah you mentioned that EMS was starting to come out for the fire department in the 80s. Did any of y'all go a the ALS route to go get your cardiac or paramedic? I, I did late in my career, um, like 2009. Uh, but early on, I mean, when I came on the department in 86, we weren't, we didn't have any medic or at the time uh, BLS units at all. And, and it's actually, and I thought, I'll, Coming into the the job, I'm gonna be riding on a fire truck. That's what this job's all about. And then two years later, in, later in '88, um, here comes the the fire medic unit to number five where I was stationed, and uh, and I found myself riding in the back of an ambulance um, as a BLS provider. And I can tell you, many patients ALS uh, patients, and uh, um, and and as my career went, uh, and um, Obviously, we were going more and more in, involved with the, the EMS side of things. And later in my career, when I started seeing things that, um, trying to, even, even as an officer and having firefighters that you felt like weren't doing the appropriate things at the level of ALS is when I really decided that I wanted to, to move forward with the ALS so that I could provide that level of care and know that, that you know, I'm, I can give the patient the, the best care as possible so um uh so yeah it, it came later in my life and in, in, in my career so i um i got my als in uh like 98 and i have to say in looking back it probably uh gave me a little bit of a little bit more longevity um uh, because the chances that you were going to fight any fire when you were on the ambulance was uh, I, I loved fighting fire but I, I worked until i was 57 so um, it was it was becoming pretty clear to me that uh, you know the physical part of the job was um, and I tried to stay physically fit but there were a few aha moments that I experienced that I'm thinking I think it's probably cl getting close for time for me to go um, so that so that ambulance uh, I, n I never minded that, that that wasn't I wouldn't say it was always an easy day because you got those calls that uh, but but I don't know what the big fuss is uh, um, I mean I get that it's hard to, um, you know, to stay up all night and then come back and, and the next day and oh, you might have to ride it again because the other person called in sick and then you'd be up all night. And um, I get that part of it, but um, uh, I looked at it as a, as, a, as a physical break for my body. At least you came in as an EMT. Did you, did you well, embrace that? Um, I had gotten it in college and then um, – 
I got my cardiac tech in 93 and then switched to paramedic and then I stayed a medic throughout my whole career and I left in um, 2019. You still have it? You still current? Um, well, national actually expires this month. Right, couple and more I was weeks. seeing if uh, <laughs> I didn't know if there was any extension or not with all the COVID. <laughs> I thought till May. I thought there was some uh, extension, but yeah, we'll figure know. it out. It's it's yeah. easy to keep. It's easy to get. It's hard to get. Oh, it's right. easy to keep. It's hard to get. That was yeah. I, if I lo- if it if there's no extension, then I'll probably lose it, yeah. and I probably won't go back through that because <laughs> that was. Did you keep yours? Did I keep mine? Uh, I've still got my state. Uh, I let the registry expire just because I didn't have, with the new job, Right. I didn't have time to keep up with the continuing ed stuff. So. You still have yours, Anthony? I still have the state. Same as Robert. Still, yeah. still yeah. state. Well, my state's still good. Yeah, you got a state my in the extra years. If I had to help somebody, I feel like I could still help them. I mean, I think we all the basic I have. Yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it's just one of the, you know, especially when you're living out in the country. Yeah, yeah those skills just don't go away. No. Yeah. <laughs> So what about um, is is women coming into you mentioned that you you came into the department and kind of a when the department was very experienced I won't say they were old but they probably were old at the same time what kind of challenges did you guys face or, or as you entered that workforce in a male dominated environment I would say the first thing it, when when coming in you know everybody's really watching you with a magnifying glass and um, so you really there's a strong feeling of you really have to prove yourself and and you know if you made a, a little bit of a mistake it, it was going to be noticed and it was going to be you know the, the, get around and um i found early on that i really had to develop a thick skin um because a lot of things in and everyone knows in the fire service how how things get around and and, and sometimes things that get around kind of the story changes a little bit so mm-hmm. I'd hear something that's like, but that wasn't true, you know. Um, and I initially I was sensitive to a lot of that, but um, like I said, I, I learned fairly quickly that my my skin needed to thicken up a little bit, and I need to just, you know, um, it was always a give 110 percent and, and know mm-hmm. that, um, you know, it, it always was said that you know well, we got to work twice as hard to prove that we can do this job, and and. Um, I don't really think that that is true. I think if you anyone, you know, if you're given a hundred percent, male or female, you know, it's going to show. <coughs> but, um, but you you really had to prove yourself. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the guys needed to see that you could do the job, and and a lot of times when they did see that, you know, that's where you got some bonus points for that, or, or word got around that hey, she you know she she can do the job, or you know she's in the fire, and and so. It was just really just earning the respect and the the confidence that that the um, guys that you worked with uh, with um, day-to-day operations so um, but I felt like you really did have to to, to work hard and never um, you know uh, not take any slack or, or you know move forward with everything so well that that um, <coughs> you know when when the guys come out when the guys come out of rookie school, you know, and you get your first assignment, it hits the street. Hey, we're getting such and such. So somebody calls up training and says, hey, tell me about such and such. Like, oh, he's good. You got a good one. And then 
everybody goes to the stations to their assignments and the guy gets there from rookie school he gets his first flyer he does well or his first bad EMS call he does well he's good to go he gets transferred to another station oh yeah he's good to go as a female like Debbie was saying you know you kind of get looked at twice you know I go to station I do well with my first flyer I do well on my first bad EMS call I should be good to go too I get transferred to another station and then I get looked at crossways again you know having to prove myself so as I think as a male coming into the job you once you've kind of established yourself hey <coughs> I can hang or I'm able to do this <coughs> you gain everybody's respect right off the bat and with the female I feel like throughout my career I shouldn't say all my career because um, one of the chiefs told me early on walk tall and carry a big stick I'm like what in the hell does that mean okay walk tall carry a big stick well that's where you know I start to draw the line and I didn't take a lot of BS from anybody and I feel like I gain respect you know it's kind of like um, the guys aren't used to seeing a woman in that position they either looked at you like you were their sister their daughter their mother their girlfriend and you shouldn't be equal so it was a <coughs> constant trying to prove yourself where you belonged you know that going from station to station so, so, so the guys uh, to put it in my vernacular they they got a reputation at their first assignment <laughs> they went to the next station with that reputation right it followed them you went to the <coughs> next station with almost a clean slate you had yeah. to go back to step square one prove yourself to that ship to that company yep. or whatever and, and it could be something where you just got transferred for the day you know and <coughs> you know when you were assigned, you uh, like I was at three on B shift. So the East End, you know, the, the companies that you ran with, you know, they kind of, they knew you. But if <coughs> you got transferred to the Northern District or the, you know, the <coughs> Western District or wherever, a different district, you know, they didn't know who in the heck you were. They didn't know what you were capable of. You know, all they saw is, hey, who's the, you know, who's this? It's interesting that the, the reputation of the new guy gets spread around, but the, would it be a fair statement that if, if you didn't perform, that bad reputation would have spread like wildfire? Uh, yeah. <coughs> yep. 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 Um, I, I started out right off the bat with a guy that, that one, of the firefi one of the other firefighters on the shift. He didn't make any bones about that he didn't think women should be firefighters, and he was a... Uh, I think close to a 20-year veteran. Um, it was, it, it actually kind of turned into a nightmare, <laughs> um, and he ended up he ended up losing his job not because of anything that had to do with me, um, but I got transferred. <coughs> excuse me, I got transferred to a different station, um, <coughs> and it was a whole it was like a whole different world opened up after that and it was guys that <coughs> that did want to give me a chance and um I, and my first my first lieutenant <coughs> and the other firefighter on the shift <coughs> they were helpful 
when they could be. But uh, this this guy was. Uh, they, they just ended up. They ended up transfer. I asked to be to get away from him, and so. Well, they were they were at least accepting of that. <coughs> they s they acknowledged the issue. And I think they didn't want to work with him either. Quite uh, quite frankly, um, in fact in fact I know that, but they didn't you know they didn't necessarily have any choice. So, um, but yeah, it opened uh, like I was ready to I was ready to quit the job because I I didn't have any experience <coughs> when I came. I didn't know what the fire service was about, and um, <coughs> so it it really. Um, but you know, it was a big learning curve, and I was just thinking, I, I don't know what I've gotten myself into. Is this is this what I want to do? And there were times, a, a couple times, I thought about leaving. I just thought this this isn't for me. And so <coughs> I asked to be transferred, and when I did, it just it just changed everything. Do you think there was anybody in that, or, or even since, that came in, had kind of a similar experience, and didn't <coughs> get transferred, and did pull that trigger of I'm out of here? Do you think any? Any women came along in your tenure that did um, that? Yeah, I, I think I think <coughs> there were. Yeah, I know. Uh, I think Pat was only here for a year. Well, she was. She came for me because um, I got. I evidently was similar in Same size, size. <laughs> because I got all her hand-me-downs, yeah. <laughs> all her hand-me-down gear. But she had. Um, I think she was. She was here maybe a year or a little bit less. Yeah, one 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 long, and she was assigned to a slow <coughs> station and. You know, it's typical at slow stations, more practical jokes and things happen and you pick on each other a little bit more. And, <coughs> um, you know, I think maybe for that first assignment, that wasn't the best atmosphere for her to be put in. <coughs> uh, I think later um, she'd wish that she'd stuck it out a little bit <coughs> and, and even, yeah. con even considered coming, maybe looking to come back. But um, but I think in, in that part <coughs> is, I think <coughs> that first assignment is always something that um, really can lead you in a really good direction or maybe Make not so um, the people that you're you're first uh, put into with whether it's in, in y whether it's a very good lieutenant or or, or not but it but the other firefighters are a big part of that too and and um, I know my experience with my first assignment um, the my <coughs> lieutenant had kind of a, a, a reputation of being kind of a salty type of guy, and you know that uh, I'd probably have a rough time with him, and and um, and that really played out to not be the case. He um, <coughs> he was actually really somebody that I learned a lot from, um, but I have to say the the firefighters on the shift were the the saving grace. I had uh, I had excellent, um, and 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 one of them, Greg Dewey, was. Uh, I would say was early on was one of my mentors because he was he was just so good and he, and Fred Taylor too on that shift the two <laughs> firefighters along with the salty uh, salty dog was uh, was really a, a good experience because I had um, they they took they took good care of me they they taught me well and they the, the progression of of what I learned and how I learned it. Um, and I could see where if you went to a station where they weren't willing <coughs> to do that and work with you and train you, you know, I, I didn't have any previous experience whatsoever. So I was coming in as a brand new recruit um, and they just, <coughs> I felt like I really started off um, in a positive manner with, with just the people that I worked with. And, and I could see where being with, with people that, that really didn't want to work with you and, and be a team player with you could have made a, a change in your career early mm -hmm. on. 
You mentioned a couple names there that uh, kind of are mentors. Any any other mentors in your careers that stand out that kind of um, helped you along or gave you the right path to travel? I think there was a, you know, I think I had mentors at just about every station throughout my career. Even, you know, being on the department for 29 years, I think that you can always find something that you can learn from somebody. Um, and I think when you lose that, it's time to take a step back and maybe thinking about going. Um, that's when you get complacent and somebody's going to get hurt. But um, Dick Osteen, um, he was a mentor. <coughs> um, when I first came out of rookie school, um, Rocky Hudson was my instructor and he got promoted as an instructor to a lieutenant and he was my lieutenant and he stayed back for a month so I got to the street before he did so I got um, I had two firefighters they kind of showed me the road before the officer got there <laughs> which was you know there's a way to do things in training and there's a way to do things <laughs> in the street well, forget whatever you. they told you up there this is how we do it over here so um, I think every station that I went to there was one person that I kind of leaned on that you know I knew that would shoot it to me straight and not try to you know um, be one that kind of left me in the dark but um, yeah, it was always special to have one of the old guys as a mentor. Yeah, and I have to speak up for Dick Osteen too. He was he was one of my early time buddies, and I mean, he, throughout my whole career, I I I had him to to. <coughs> he was always a phone call away if I wanted to just chit chat with him. Um, he was, I think I think we both had. I don't know if you did. I don't know if you ever worked with him, Susan, but I, I didn't know Lisa and I both had the opportunity to work with him and. Um, he was, uh, he might come across a little rough on the outside, but he had a big <coughs> big heart and, and was a really caring person that um, really thought the world of. Susan, do you have anybody that you looked up to or um, kind of helped you along the way? I, I did, and um, but I wanted to start by saying, like, these two women right here all along the way, they're, they're, they're both senior to me, um, not in age, but in uh, well, Debbie is. Oh yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I you point that out, didn't you? I knew that. I knew that was going to come in somewhere. Here we go. Here, yeah, here we go. go. The age thing. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, you know, if I would have a question, especially in the beginning, I'd be like, I'd call. You know, hey Lisa, what about this? Or hey Debbie, what about this? Um, so they, you know, we we were always. I think we always had each other's backs. Or if if I'd hear something or about them, or they they about me, or you know, that sort of thing. Um, so they're. So they certainly were, were mentors uh, as well as friends. Um, that's when re we really all became friends. But um, probably a mentor that <coughs> when I mentioned the transfer before from um, when I was a rookie to another station, um, I got to have cricket as my lieutenant. And that really turned things around for me. We went from, uh, we would train maybe once or, tw maybe once or twice a week at, at my original station we would train sometimes twice a day, at least once a day. And so that, I really felt like I was going somewhere when I, I got to be with Cricket. And I also had him um, when I became an acting officer. <coughs> and it, there are things as an acting officer that I would, I'd be sitting in that seat 20, year late, 20 years later 
and I would do something that it was because of, of, of the way he taught me or something he said. Uh, you got to take your elephant gun to the elephant hunt. Mm -hmm. And if you run into a mountain, you know, just, just it might seem silly, yeah, but, away with words. you know, he did, he, and you know him, yeah. so, he, so he does. So, um, a philosopher. And, and, and like, yeah, and like Lisa <laughs> said, uh, you know, there's always, there's, there's people along the way that, that you might look to, um, but another person that, one other person that was a big mentor to me was um, uh, when we opened 22, I got assigned to the truck company. And I had, no, right out of the gate, and I had, had some truck experience at, at number six and number 12. Um, <coughs> and I was, I was not turned, I was turned over on one of those trucks, uh, but I left, I left that station shortly after that, so I didn't spend a lot of time. But uh, I spent time there with Jeff Mitchell. Uh, he was my lieutenant. Uh, on 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 truck 22, and I learned that truck up and down, backwards, forwards, uh, er everything that that you uh, that I could, um, and we did we did a lot of training, um, and there was another guy <coughs> there, Donnie Deaver, who's a captain now, that had um, a lot of truck experience. So so those two guys, uh, and that was my that was my favorite uh, thing that 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 I did. I, I loved being on that particular type of unit and it was like it was a challenge to me um, well, to, to learn that stuff were you were you i was never turned loose on truck 12 i was assigned to 12 but never was turned loose on 12 before truck 12 before i got transferred out of there <coughs> were you debbie were you ever um i was assigned to truck 12 i was there probably for about a month and then i got uh, promoted so Susan, Susan was the only female in our time that was ever turned loose as a truck truck. operator. Mm -hmm. Has that changed? Do you um, think? I think Liz, I think Liz was turned over. The young lady that was just in here, I believe she was when she was at 22. I, in fact, I know she was um, was turned over on truck 22. And I think um, there's another firefighter at 12, uh, Grace Cunin, that. I know she's been training. I don't know if she's turned over on truck 12 yet. Was Maria ever turned over on 10? Maria Maria was turned over on truck 10, but she hated it. She wanted <laughs> to go back to the engine. So it wasn't a good experience for her. Truck, trucks aren't everything for everybody. I mean, that's yeah. So it was more of a formality for her. You know, they said, we want to have everybody cross-trained. And I don't think, uh, you know, I just, I, don't, I, I would say her heart probably wasn't into it. She really liked the engine. Yeah. And, and I like the engine, too. Any other big challenges you guys came across, uh, particularly earlier on in your career? Um, Lisa, you mentioned that, that your physical stature kind of <laughs> was the challenging part. How, what what kind of got you um, through that part of your career? <coughs> was it just pure tenacity and the big stick you carried when somebody challenged you on it? Or? Well, it, you know, it started in rookie school. Um, I can remember we were doing the auditorium raise, and we used, we didn't have all the fancy drill facilities. Um, we had old Washington Highway that when we did uh, hose <coughs> hoist, you knew that you were at the bottom when you heard the hose roll splash in the water that was in the bottom of the building. So um, we were doing the auditorium raise in the middle of the uh, softball field, and uh, we had just our station boots on and gloves and helmet. And I took off up the ladder and got probably 10, 15 <coughs> feet off the ground. And my gloves were so large, long on my fingers, that when I grabbed the rungs, they would fold over. So I felt like I wasn't getting a good grip. 
requirement. So I stopped, put my glove in my mouth, took one glove off, chucked it to the ground, got the other one, chucked it, went up, over, and came down. And then um, I got in trouble with um, Captain Thompson. <laughs> um, <laughs> he said um, that I didn't have my safety equipment on. So I told him it didn't fit, and I felt like I had a better grip with no gloves <coughs> compared to what I had. So he told me to take the gloves into the uh, building, fill them with water, and wring them out and put them on the radiator, and that they would shrink and be proper size by the time I came back on Monday. Came back on Monday, and they were actually about an inch longer. How'd <laughs> 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 that so work out? <coughs> But it was from the get-go. Um, everybody was wearing Thorogood boots. And I came about, and Thorogood didn't make women's boots that had steel shanks and steel toes, which were required. So they had to put me in Red Wing. Well, then that created an uproar with the guys because we got to wear these <coughs> shitty Thorogoods, and you get to wear the you know, expensive Red Wings. So... I mean, everything was. So in I had Wayne Greenwood, Greeny, and Marshall Nelson as instructors, and they got sent to a conference somewhere. And they asked, there was an, an attorney or somebody giving a speech there. And they're like, hey, we got a question. We've got, we hired this female, and um, she's really small, and we're having problems, you know, getting gear to fit her properly. And, <coughs> and it's, can you stop? Wh what was the question? Well, we hired this. We hired this female. She's stop there. You hired her. You need to fit her properly. So that means putting her on a plane and sending her wherever you get your gear from and fit her. That's <coughs> what you need to do. <coughs> so then, you know, when I got my stuff, I took really good care of it because it was a pain in the neck to get something that fit me again. So my, my my bunker boots, I would crawl. They'd come off my feet. You know, my gloves didn't fit. My mom had to take my suspenders and cut them. They're, they're, I, stu I still have them because they're probably about, I don't know, maybe a foot long from class to class. So everything was a challenge to get to fit me. So, and things, you know, things have changed a little bit. Liz was telling us today that she actually has a women's uniform shirt on today and women's uniform pants. So things have changed. We had an option of women's pants when we came on, but they were, <coughs> to me, they looked like they came up underneath your armpits. Mm. Well, I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> that was one of the questions I had in, um, in my day job. There's this research going on out of Florida and North Carolina, I think. They're actually researching female protective clothing and what the standards say is the size and that it's all based on the male form and how many women are having trouble, like you, uh, with gloves or <coughs> pants or boots or coats or helmets or everything else. And uh, you shared one story. Did you guys have any experience with poorly fitting protective clothing just mm -hmm. because it's made for that male-dominated industry? That's uh, not Probably not as much as Lisa. <coughs> right. I did, I, yeah. I would I would say that we could tell that they weren't 
fit properly. The the, the pants were <coughs> the, the crotch was always longer than it, it should be. The you know we had to just make a lot of adjustments. Um, helmets. Uh, I I had an issue, but talking to Susan, she she didn't seem to have the same. But of of in a crawling position, the the bill of the back of my helmet would hit my air pack and would constantly put put my helmet down into my face if I was trying to crawl. Um, and I think they've actually have come up with women's helmets or obviously a, a, a shorter bill on the back. Um, so there, there certainly have been some changes, but it, I think it's really been slow coming. And, <coughs> and obviously it's still an issue because it's still out there on the table um, of just getting properly fitted, particularly the turnout gear, because you, you know, when you're trying to be out there doing the job and, 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 and the gear, it's, I think that's the most detrimental to have fitting right. So. Do you have anything? Um, I, I really don't for the <coughs> for for the gear. Um, I have I have huge feet, so <laughs> that wasn't a problem for the most part. But the you know the shoes were. Uh, I'm I'm glad to see that, and, and I guess it's because of <coughs> of COVID that they changed that so you couldn't wear your like you can wear leisure. They want you wearing leisure shoes into the fire station now. Well, I started doing that. A long time ago, um, just because it's just so hard on your feet to wear those those shoes all day long, those steel-toed boots, and you're wearing them around the fire station, and, and uh, you know just doing, uh, you know, eating lunch and so forth, and that's um, so. I, I was glad to see that that'll save some people's feet. Hopefully, I have terrible feet. Yeah, I do too. <coughs> uh, and I think I think the one well, I had an issue with my face mask, but they it was just that they had to reorder. A smaller one, and I got the nickname of Chicken Face by <coughs> my lieutenant, Bubba Shouse. Um, yeah, but when we, when we first came on, you shared face That's pieces. That's right. <coughs> yeah. one, in, one in the one jump in seat. One in the jump right. seat, right. and then yeah. you Mine lost had to be it. special order. <coughs> so <coughs> we, I got a special order one too, right. and it was mine, so right. I didn't have to <coughs> share it. Right, because it was but a chicken face. Yeah, yeah. yeah. chicken so face chicken mask. Face. Anything <laughs> like that that. <coughs> um, you know that set that sets you off where it's where it's something different. It I think is sometimes perceived as special treatment, right? When it when it really wasn't special treatment, right? Any yeah, any time if, if if something happened or they they had to order something special for us or whatever, it was, you know, that's <coughs> how it was projected. Was you know well they, we always got special treatment because you know well everybody got red wings. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> finally got red wings. Yeah. So, so you <laughs> helped them get yeah, nice. Yeah, I helped them get red wings. They're not getting any credit for that, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm getting credit for that. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier at the, um, when you when you came out of recruit school, um, you, the women were kind of scattered shift to shift and across <laughs> the county. Um, it, it, was there some point in your careers where you actually wound up working together on a well, unit oh yeah. or a crew? We, oh, we, we ended up on a – well, the three of us um, – we all ended up in the Western Battalion, and on the, the same shift. On the same shift, not the same station, that was but a in mistake. the state, <laughs> but <laughs> in the same, you know, <coughs> Western Battalion. So we had a battalion chief um, called Richard Mitchell. Well, his nickname was Toe, and the boys nicknamed the three of us. Toes Angels, because <laughs> they thought that we were getting away with murder. <laughs> so we were Toes Angels. So um, we actually, the three of us, ended up on a fire over off of Damascus. Was it Damascus? Where did Carnahan end up? I 
So rough three chops I'm wearing. Well, I remember coming out of the fire and I hear, hey, that's a woman. And then Debbie came out, hey, that's another woman. And then <laughs> Susan came out and was like, hey, wait a minute, that's another woman. So <laughs> the three of us ended up on one fire that I can remember. Yeah. But um, how about the time that, that uh, you got transferred in, you were driving the engine and I was in charge and Osteen was in the jump seat. I couldn't remember if I got transferred in or <coughs> you got transferred in. But it might have been that we were at 13, but it was Dougie Hall that. Oh, then you got transferred in. Yeah, Dougie Hall was at 16. That's right. Oh, yeah. that's right. Osteen was on the engine with Doug. And um, we went on a, a call together. And so, of course, we pull up, and Lisa's driving, and I'm in the jump seat. And No, you were riding in charge. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. You were riding in, in, in charge. In charge. So we pull up, and, and uh, Dougie's in charge of 16 and looks over, and he goes, oh, my gosh. What what has the world come to? Two women in the front of a fire truck, and uh, <laughs> the only reason we knew joking, that joking, I hope uh, he was. Well, you know, yeah. I'm not, I'm not yeah. so sure, but he was, pretty old. he was my first lieutenant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, but we had o Osteen who told. I mean, we wouldn't have known that except Osteen filled us in later about it. He said, uh, "Dougie about had a heart attack." He yeah. said, "I don't know what what the world's coming to with two women in the front of a fire truck." So yeah. Debbie and I worked at the same station for. She was the captain at 16, and um, I worked there for a couple of years. So. You know, there were a handful of times <coughs> that we were, there was an ambulance there too, so there were a handful of times that we were uh, on the engine together. Did, uh, were you all ever part of an all-female crew on an engine or oh, a truck? Back then, that would not I was, not I was like a month before I retired. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah they, they had a story I think they, a couple yeah, years ago. I think they did it just Yeah, and so, um, and, and at that particular at that, at that particular station, there were t there were two women assigned to the sh to the same shift. Um, and actually, when I was at 22, um, there was another woman on the shift with me there. But I was on the truck and she was on the engine, so we didn't ride. We weren't together a lot. Um, but I mean, we were together in the station, but we weren't, and we were together on calls, but not on the same unit. So, um, you know, I think it's just a when people when people stop saying, "Oh gosh, look." Uh, you know, it's it, when it's not an anomaly, and it, it's going to take a long time. I it's think come a long way. It, it's yeah. it, it has it has come a long way, and I think well. there are I think there are several stations now that have you know several women together on shifts. Um, and I don't know, but I mean, I have one friend I know that she was she was on assigned with another woman. I think on the shifts. So. Yeah, not yeah, not only in the fire department, um, but even out you know the public. We're just always shocked to see, you know, particularly if you're <coughs> in your turnout gear and you can't really tell, and then you speak, and then they look at you funny, and they're like, oh, you no. know, th they take a double take and say, "Are you, you're a woman," and you know, and and just we'd get that, I'd get that all the time. Um, you, you know, remember even when we went, when all of us went over there? Um, it was a snow day, and we were all we all went to lunch, and they were happened to have. Um, some radio station was doing some broadcast from that restaurant mm -hmm. we were at. It was mm -hmm. that one next to Douglas Freeman. Yeah, yeah. that, that restaurant like Westbury area. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we were in there, and um, the guy on the radio, he's like, oh, comes over to our table, and he's like, so what do y'all women do that y'all all get the day off? And we were like, guess. Guess. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, um, teachers. You're a teacher. <coughs> You're a mailman. No. no. <laughs> I mean, you're a female mailman. 
<laughs> like, no. He did say that. <laughs> 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 like, no. So it ended up it was um it was a couple it was a couple police officers. Yeah, we had a couple cops with us too, women yeah. cops. Women cops. Yeah, it was yeah. So you were off duty that day and they were oh. just uh-huh. yeah, yeah, we we, we were, were in just in plain clothes. We were in plain clothes. <coughs> so it was a couple female cops yeah. and he was never yeah. gonna guess. I mean that was pretty yeah. obvious. It's so. all it's should have put some money on that bet. Yeah. Yeah. It's always I raise and even even now I run into people and they're like, Oh, you're retired? Well what did you do? And, you know, if you tell somebody I worked in a bank. They're like, oh, that's nice. You say, I was a firefighter for 25 years. And they're like, they look, and, and it's just, is it, it's such, it's so different. And they, you know, who knows what perception they have in their mind of whatever they've seen on television. Um, that's what they think. So, yeah. It, you mean it, Chicago it, Fire is not real? <laughs> what? No. <laughs> no. No. So, right. <coughs> yeah. How many firefighters do we have now? Aliz said we had 30 females. 30. Yeah, come a long yeah. way. Yeah, <coughs> right. yeah. We were we were talking and, uh, you know, we we at some point while we were um, on duty, I think we got up to maybe tw- twelve or fourteen, and we were we thought we were we were just, and then we started. Then they started dropping off like flies. So mm-hmm. then we got back down to I think when I left, it might have been seven. And it was the you know there was a variety of reasons. I mean Henry's wife is. Yeah. Uh, was a firefighter and yeah, a different career. You know, she change. ended up ended up. Uh, I don't know what the whole story was, but she started out because she had a baby and and then another baby. And I think uh, you know Henry. the time. You know anything about that, Henry? Henry, I do. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. It was after our second child, that <laughs> right? That she and I both realized that this exchanging the kids at the firehouse was not going to work long right, term. Right. And yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, we um, I remember giving uh, Zach, our youngest, a bath in the sink at Station 16 <laughs> so, uh, on one of our visits. So, um, But yeah, but she did make a career change. And that's mm-hmm. the thing that yeah. uh, I think Robbie pointed out earlier that you're, uh, counting Debbie Sue, y'all are the four that have retired from mm-hmm. the fire service. Where right. There's been a lot that's come and gone. Come right. and gone uh, and for, spent. For, right. like I said, a variety of and reasons. Some of, yeah. some of them had, s- had spent several years. It wasn't a one and done. Correct. Right. Um, yep. They spent yeah. several years and then left. Yeah. 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 They yeah. had career, yeah. career changes. And career just like changes. we've had men right. that come yeah. to the fire yeah. service. And, and, and several were, um, there There have been a couple that were terminated. Um, and, it, and, and it was really a... It was a bone of contention because it was it was like an act of Congress for for that to take for that to happen. Um, I think there was an, a, a nervousness surrounding um, that. Oh my gosh, we're going to fire this woman. Um, and one of them in particular, uh, it was recommended that that she be let go in the recruit school, and that didn't happen. Um, and I know that because I was at training at the time, and the the person that recommended her to be terminated, to be let go, was an, an another female instructor, and it didn't happen. And so it, it snowballed into a, a bad thing, uh, and, and she was ended, ended up being terminated. Um, it, it, they could have just eliminated that. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter if, you know, if you're a male, female, green, purple, yellow, I don't, you know, whatever. Either you can do the job or you can't, and the job is not for everybody. Right, and for the same reason, we've had men, males, let go. Right. And recruit schools and afterwards, so it's uh. Sure. Well, we always felt like it was a bad reflection when when 
women who couldn't do the job for whatever reason, um, but they were staying on the job. And so I would always take it personally because oh, it, it, me too. It, it was it, it, it made us look bad. It made yeah. us all look bad. Right, because you know? it, it, and that's we how it was. Toget- we were always grouped together. Right. If one woman does something, then all the women are. are and so, you know, it was, <coughs> it was almost a resentment that they were keeping some women a little bit longer than they should have because that just – I felt like it personally reflected on me that you know you're just keeping the women because they're women. Yeah, and, and I mean, we so I certainly wouldn't want to, um, you know, be running a call with a person that wasn't competent. I don't care what you know who right, they are, male or and female. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's it's uh, across it's across the board. There's been there's been guys that I've worked with that I'm like, you you kind of knew, hey, if someone's bleeding or someone's puking or someone's they're not going to be in the cut. You know, you kind of knew who was going to help you in what situations. And, you know, it didn't matter if you're a woman or a man, either you could do it or you couldn't. And you always wanted to be around the people that could. Mm-hmm. And we've worked, this we've worked hard to gain the reputation that we had. And some of the reputation is still there. As we mentioned in the opening, y'all paved the, paved the way for uh, for not only the women but for other people in the fire service. And it's also interesting <coughs> that you had mentioned that uh, you were having lunch one day, but it sounds like you've got friends that are in the uh, law enforcement side of mm-hmm. public safety, and uh, I'm sure maybe also friends in the dispatch side and maybe in the sheriff's department. So it's nice to see that connection outside of the work environment that you I, I take it you've developed over the years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's that's fun. Yep, good. Yeah. Are there um, besides the the citizen going? Holy cow! There's a woman coming out of a fire. Holy cow! There's another woman. Uh, oh wait a minute! There's a third one. Any other big? Any other incidents uh, come to mind or you know, kind of stand out in your careers? Yeah, I can I can ride through different districts where I've worked and ride past a house and be like. That's the house where I worked my first cardiac arrest, or oh, I remember that fire that we had there. Um, there's been, you know, a significant incident or multiple significant incidents at each station that I've been at. I had a black cloud, it followed me everywhere I went. Um, Which is why we were glad that they kept her in a different <laughs> district than <laughs> us for a while. I mean, I've I've had I've had several bad calls and several calls that'd be like, man, that was awesome, you know. But I think one of the biggest ones that um, Debbie was speaking of earlier, um, there was a fire, um, the Danewood fire, and a lot of people, the department's so young now, they won't remember the Danewood fire, and it. Um, it was um, a Christmas tree incident, and um, I was at Station 13 at the time, and I got transferred to Station 10, and I was riding on the truck in the jump seat, and I didn't have to go on that call, fortunately, um, but Debbie and Susan, I'll let them tell you their version of it, um, but it, 
uh, later became involved with the outcome of that. So. Go ahead, Captain. I think you had a bigger part in it. It was like the 29th of December, right up to Christmas, and um, get a call for a residential fire and with possible entrapment uh, in the house. And um, I was at number nine. Susan was at number 12. It was 13's first due. But uh, so 13, 12, and 9 were assigned to it. 13 got there and um, a woman was outside and said one of her uh, children was still inside. She locked the door. Coming out of the house, she locked the door behind her. and um, Accidentally. Accidentally. She'd gotten one of her kids out, and but the other one was still inside. And so 13 had gotten there um, and had, had made entry and, and started the search and rescue. And then... Um, 12 got there, and uh, you can tell a little bit about your parts and uh, Susan and um, Linwood. I went in, the lieutenant and I went in, um, and it was, I mean, you couldn't, it was it was full of smoke. You couldn't see anything. It was one of those houses where you, <coughs> um, I think Osteen actually was downstairs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we saw him downstairs um, briefly. And it was one of those where you open the you open the door and the stairs were right there. Behind it was it was a tall the door. yeah it was a tall skinny house. Um, so Lieutenant and I headed upstairs. He he said Dick said he was uh, Dick Osteen said he was going to you know search around in the downstairs. Uh, and I think um, there was no hose line in place yet. The when 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 we got there, I was riding truck twelve. Um, the Lieutenant, I guess, was pumping. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Driving, the lieutenant was pu- was pumping the engine, and he was standing outside, spraying. He w- he was in just his fire helmet, no gear, and he was he was spraying in the the, the house was getting it, um, from the family room on the left side, and um, he was standing outside spraying it, and I I just you know, briefly saw that, and we went in and headed up st- headed up the stairs, and the stairs were. It was like you went up a flight, like, you know, seven or eight stairs, and there was a landing, and then it turned, <coughs> and then you went up another flight, and it turned. There were two landings and, like, three sets of steps. So, like I said, it was a tall, skinny house. And so so I get into the hallway, and the lieutenant is behind me, and we run into the captain in, in a bedroom, and his his bell is going off, and he's like, he's like I've searched this room, and so he, uh, we're like, y- you go out because his bell was going off. And he was an, he was an older guy, uh, Captain Kellums, and so so he went on out. So I I went I went one way, and the lieutenant went the other. It was you know uh, like I guess three or four, three maybe three bedroom house and, and a bathroom up in the hallway. And I got into the bedroom, and remember the radios were uh, very antiquated at the time. So Linwood, of course, we had our radios in our pockets. There was no handheld mics. So uh, the last thing I'm thinking about is talking on the radio. So 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 Linwood Dyson has his radio, and um, I go into the second bedroom, and I'm searching, and I feel I feel the kid in the bed, and I hollered, you know, uh, I, I got him. And so there was no like ladder up at the window, or uh, there was nothing. Uh, I think he broke. I think he bro- he came in there and broke the window, um, 
and they were still like there was no there was nothing <laughs> nothing at the nothing at the front of the house at that point and it was a 911 hang up so uh that was also uh it kind of put everybody behind the eight ball um and I, I think a police officer was the person that showed up there and he responded to the 911 hang up um and the 911 hang up was when the lady locked herself out of the door and realized the other kid was still in there so um i get him and he was he was a healthy boy he was like an eight-year-old boy so I, and, and you couldn't see so i didn't just like pick him up and run and and and, and i'd been a firefighter for mm, three years so um i start i just got on on my knees and i just started dragging i just started dragging him backwards and um, the lieutenant was like he was he was kind of in front of me breaking windows and so i started to get where i could see a little bit and i'm dragging this kid all through the glass and i'm like god this is you know this is terrible i wish i could just pick him up so i got to the steps and i thought you know i might be able to pick him up but it was still like really smoky so i just started you know going down the steps backwards and had him you know had my arms across him and pulling him and he i couldn't tell that you know i couldn't i, I couldn't assess him so the next thing i know um i'm at the you know, I, I, I didn't know how many steps. Uh, I didn't know where I was, but I felt like I was close to the bottom. And so the next thing I know, I get, I, I just get knocked down. Like, uh, just just something hits me and, and knocks me down. So I'm like, well, I'm just going to fall. And I held on to the kid so I wouldn't lose him. And then I felt, then I stopped. And it was Debbie's crew at the bottom of the steps, and they caught me, her and uh, it was Larry. Larry, Larry or Larry. Rick? Larry. Uh, her, 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 I turned around and I, I could see well enough then the smoke had cleared some, t some in that area um, and so I, I, I was uh, she was right there so uh, you know I wasn't hurt or anything like that I just uh, you know I kind of just just tumbled and they caught me so it was only a few steps and so what hit, what had hit me was um, the lieutenant <coughs> he was I guess breaking glass or whatever his air pack failed and it was about three degrees uh, outside temperatures outside temperature and i'm not saying he didn't check his air pack um but it, it was not uncommon to get on the truck and uh you knew he didn't check his air pack sometimes so and, and i love the guy he was, you know, he was a great guy but um I'm, I'm pretty sure he probably didn't check his air pack that morning and it just it just it, it something happened to it no no bell no warning just yeah, he sucked had. sucked to his face and he had no air so what he did was he bailed over the stairs to get out because there was still he he was at that point he was he was he was up further than me I was I was behind him going down the steps because he was trying to break out the windows and at some point I got by him because um, there's no way we could like pick the kid up both of us and there was just wasn't enough room to try to carry him. So I just kept on doing what I was doing, and so so basically his air pack failed. He bailed <coughs> over to try to get out, and the the way that the steps were designed, he hit me in the process, and um, knocked me down. And he got out. So so I go outside, and I didn't know any of this. I didn't know what had hit me, and um, so I hand the kid off, and and they the rescue squad is right there at the door. And th at the time, uh, John Reeves, who's a lieutenant or captain or i don't know what yeah. he is now he uh he was with tuckahoe rescue squad and he was um i remember seeing him and 
the other guy was a, is a police officer, um, John somebody. Waters. Yes, uh, John Waters and him. So so the kid so they got the kid. Uh, I saw the, I saw Debbie's crew passing them the kid, and I see the lieutenant laying out in the yard, um, like laid out in the yard, like gasping for air. And I went yeah. over and I was like, "What happened to you? <laughs> where, where were you?" Yeah. And uh, he's like, "Man, my air pack locked up." And I'm like, "Oh, dang!" So, um, and I was ready to, you know, to go search some more. And of course, you know, they didn't let me go back in after that. I was, you know, that was it. They yeah, go, no, no, you come over here. We want you over here. And I'm like, you know, I just was like, uh, "We're gonna go put the fire out," because there's still. Well, I think yeah, we, we had word. I think there just was a hand line getting in the door at that point. I think that, uh, I don't know if Debbie's crew brought it in or who, who brought it in, but there finally was, um, uh, you know, an interior attack downstairs on that on that uh, room where the Christmas tree caught on fire. So yeah, We actually entered <coughs> entered and, and actually got knocked aside by Linwood <coughs> coming out the door, um, and then we started up the steps <coughs> to, to find <coughs> you on the step. Uh, I think you were <coughs> on that landing. Um, and uh, uh, helped get the the <coughs> the kid outside and we had word that there was still another child inside um so we turned around and um after we passed it off to, to um the john john i guess with with tuckahoe um we go back in and um kellums was still inside and and so we, we were hearing the radio traffic and we were still we went we were still in the search mode and heard chief mitchell trying to call kellums on the radio um and i think in in the the period of time that we worked with with mitchell and he was getting ready to retire he was planning on retiring that following year um and and the one thing i think that we all liked about him he always stayed very cool collective and and is same same monotone <coughs> um no matter what was going on and i think he was trying to reach kellums on the radio and kellums wasn't answering and um and i think that was the first time i've ever heard him have some form of excitement in his voice when, yeah. when he couldn't reach Kellums um, and uh, and Kellums came out uh, shortly after and and he was having radio problems or but uh, but the whole the whole <coughs> event was pretty um, significant with with just the way that from the very beginning of the call coming in it was just uh, nothing nothing ran smoothly I mean it was just um, and and then, and then we found out that, that there was not another child inside that she did get her other son out of the, the house yeah and, it, and it, it also the, uh, things things kept popping up about that fire uh, a, as time went on and I'll let, I'll let Lisa tell you how, like where sh where she kind of there it, it was it was speculated I don't know about I don't know what the actual fire investigation <coughs> turned out to be but it was it was speculated that the little brother may have had something to do with um setting the christmas tree on fire and and i don't you know if i'm if i'm speaking out of uh, the story the story i'd heard that that <coughs> he'd had a class so on 911 and and so he he actually lit the the christmas tree on fire and and then went to his mom saying i think we need to call 911 cuz the tree's on fire yeah so then um, lisa had him in fourth grade yeah, yeah. I, I taught fourth grade my whole career i started when i was a rookie shadowing for one year and then i taught fourth grade fire safety the remaining years I was there and um, I ended up having him 
in, in my class. This and is the younger. The younger mm -hmm. brother. Yeah. The, the, the boy, the the boy older I pulled boy out died. died. He okay. died like two years or two days later. Yeah. So I had the younger brother, and Susan actually came and helped me with the fire safety trailer. And she was like, man, she, he's a spitting image of his brother. So, like she said, that fire keeps popping up, like, not y every year, but year after year. So, um, that was one of the most, probably one of the significant calls. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, there's been, there's been several at <coughs> every station and everything. Wow. <coughs> Well, thanks for sharing that, and um, you know, told you when you came in, we were shooting for an hour. I think we are we have we talked a lot. No, well, yeah, you talked <laughs> a lot. Well, yeah. that, that's the whole point of this is to yeah. talk. But um, you, you'll be proud that you your duration has beat we Steve Wood's podcast. Oh, we hit the hour. So. Oh, we did. <laughs> it took three of us to beat Steve. So you know. So uh, Henry, you got anything else? No, I think we've got our closing question. Here. I'd like to go back to see. So. If you had five minutes, and we'll go to each of you, but if you had five minutes to um, to say something to a recruit school that was in session today, <coughs> getting ready to graduate, what would you relay to that graduating class of uh, firefighters? I think what I would tell them first is that um, being in the fire service is like no other job. Um, when you when you when you come into the fire service, it's it's a it's a second family. Um, you'll never find a brotherhood and a sisterhood um, in a firehouse like you do uh, when you're spending 24 hours at a time. You eat, sleep, run the have worst day of your life, best day of your life, um, and share that with these people. <coughs> um, they become your second family, and I think. There's just no other job like it, and um, and the most people that do come in the fire service, they if, if it's not what you're meant to be, you won't be there long. But if it is, and you find it's a career for you, you'll 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 stay 25, 30, 35, 40, you know, um, 40 years. So, um, in my mind, it's the best job you could do. Good. I second that. I mean, if I if I could still do it, I'd still be doing it. Um, Amen. Me too. Yep. It's it's definitely a, a, f a second family, and uh, you spend probably some people spend more time with this second family than they do their own <coughs> family bloodline. Um, so you know the ins and outs of your brothers. Um, you know, I never had a brother, but I can tell you what: over 29 years, I got some brothers. You know, and I. You have your ups and downs with your second family, just like you do your first family. But when the bell goes off, you all have one goal. So um, it goes by fast. Enjoy it. Very good. Susan? Um, I, I would say, to uh, if I had five minutes with a, a recruit class coming out, um, you, can't, you can't learn everything that there is to know in the fire service um, and, and related uh, EMS. So pick something. There are people that have tried, uh, and there's very few people that, that know. There's nobody that knows it all. So pick something and, and focus on that and try that. And if you don't like it, then, then, then move to something else. Um, 
but but don't don't have your hand in in ten different things um, because then you're not going to be good at any of them. And the other thing I would say is that um, when you're in the firehouse, you're living there with uh, it's a firehouse that has three shifts, and it's anywhere from <coughs> three to what are the bigger bigger houses have twelve people. So uh, the, you know up to up to fifty people live in that house. You know, so, so meter yourself as such and, you know, respect other people's privacy, their stuff, um, the, you know, the, thing, the way that you live in that house, uh, pick up after yourself, learn how to cook, um, you know, and, and just and treat it like, like it's your home away from home, truly your home away from home. Thank yeah, well, thank you. And um, I think we're getting ready to with some closing marks, and I'd just like to say thank you. Um, no, thank you. you know, I, I had the opportunity to work with each of you, and I enjoyed it, and you are truly sisters, but I'm proud to actually say that you're truly friends, and I, uh, I appreciate thanks, that Henry. friendship. So we thank you, Henry. We love you, Henry. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask one more question. That, that, that was great advice for that recruit school. Is there anything specific you would tell the women who are coming on the job today that's, that would be different <coughs> from that? It's, it's always give 110 percent yeah you know and and yeah. uh, male or female but but i think for the women um i think times are changing i think it's more acceptable it, it's not you know but but always give 110 percent never stop learning never stop not training stay um, your ground yeah you know uh carry the big stick carry well the big you stick. know i i can say that all i think that everybody's career is different male or female i mean um i i know that i feel like i probably had an easier path than debbie or debbie or susan um you you've you've got you've got to be able to stand your ground and um roll the punches it's part of a stress relief and i think that the stuff that you'll see in your career and the things that you're asked to do on calls you need that stress relief and if it's not there that's when we have issues with people not knowing how to deal with what they're seeing um, and the joking and the kidding around that's what's going away from the fire department and i think that's a huge coping mechanism for what you it's kind of a your own little stress debriefing right. yeah. well uh captain debbie weymouth uh, firefighter susan caskey and firefighter lisa butler thank you ladies so much for coming in sharing those stories um i, I could probably ask you 15 other questions and we'd be here for another hour and a half but it's uh it's getting late in the day and I uh, just want Henry, thanks for, uh, for setting this up and providing the studio space. And uh, as well as um, some other things I'm going to put in the show notes, I'm going to uh, connect or to the YouTube video we talked about so that anybody's interested can check that YouTube video out and see you guys doing the job over the years. There's some pretty cool pictures in there of all of you. So uh, with that, I'll just, uh, again, say thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, if you have any suggestions, comments, questions, Feel free to shoot them to us at uh, firehouselogbook at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter and Instagram at FD Logbook and FD Logbook Podcast on Instagram. 
And if you want to keep track of uh, the episodes and some pictures and the stories, we're also on Facebook. You can just search Firehouse Logbook Podcast or FD Logbook. And uh, remember to subscribe, give us a rating, uh, let us know your comments and thoughts um, because um, these folks, uh, these ladies, and the guys that are on the podcast as well are just sharing the stories and some of the history and the legends that are out there in the fire service. So with that, let's close up this logbook. And uh, thank you guys again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.